This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sunday night service. Man, hasn't it been awesome to be back in the house of the Lord? We have been having some fire services in this building and it is incredible and we know that in the coming season things are going to get more and more back to normal so we appreciate you guys we love you and we're going to get ahead and get into the word here tonight uh what a time to be alive i keep using that statement i keep using that phrase because for the christians as we saw on wednesday night isaiah talked about the world will get darker and darker, but for the born-again Christians, it's going to get brighter and brighter because it says, Arise and shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you. And that's talking to the children of God. So with everything going on, this is our moment to rise to the occasion and do what God has called us to do. So the topic we're going to uh, discuss tonight is this, love. Love never fails. And everybody is looking for solutions to fix things right now. And, and you know, that's nice and, 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 and admirable that people care. But here's an idea. How about we go with what the Bible says? First Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Notice it's not talking about love a lot of times does good. Sometimes it fails. Sometimes it doesn't. It says love never fails. Anytime that I operate and live my life based on the word of God, loving people the way that God talks about, I will never, ever fail. That's an incredible thing to talk about because there's not a lot of surefire guaranteed things in this world anymore, but the love of God is a guaranteed 100% of the time foolproof method to win every situation. So let's go ahead and pray. We're going to get into a few things tonight. I want you to pay attention and, uh, and maybe you've, you've, you've heard this topic a lot. Well, nobody has heard enough about the topic of God's love and how we're supposed to love others. You cannot exhaust that topic. So let's go ahead and pray and get into this tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing right now. God, it may seem like things are wild and crazy, but we know that you are doing things. You are working beneath the surface uh, to bring about change and bring about good. Lord, you said you have plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, not, not plans to hurt us. So we thank you, Lord, that through it all, the church and the Christians are rising up right now to obey the word of God and do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to talk about a few things tonight. The first thing is this. This may not sound that deep or that, you know, that earth-shaking, but we've got to get this. Number one, God is love. God is love. God doesn't talk about love. God doesn't like love. God doesn't occasionally visit love. God is love. That's the definition of who he is. First John 4, verses 7 and 8. And uh, these are some of the early verses I learned in my life from my dad. First John 4, 7 and 8. And uh, this is, <laughs> this may not sound that deep, but my gosh, we've got to get a hold of this. First John 4, verse 7, it, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. 
Why? For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So that tells me right there, anybody that doesn't love other human beings, doesn't love other people, does not even know God. Yeah, but what if it's people that have been mean to me? What if it's people that I don't like? What if it's people that uh, I've been raised to not like? Listen, it doesn't matter. Anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That's who he is. And so whenever someone tells me, man, I hate that person, I, or I just hate these people, my first response is, you need to get born again. There's no way that you can hate another human being if you have the, the love of God in your heart. If you are a true, legit, born-again Christian, hate is not a word that's in your vocabulary. That you don't even, I mean, that doesn't even come across your screen. Hate is not for the children of God. There's certain things that we are permitted to hate. We're permitted to hate sin. We're permitted to hate injustice. We're permitted to hate the works of the devil. Jesus hated those things and he destroyed those things, it says. But we do not hate any other people. So it just told us that God is love. So my thinking is, okay, if God is love, then I'll bet there are are verses in the Bible that I could interchange the words God and love, because according to uh, 1 John 4, they're synonymous. And so I'm thinking, okay, how about uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, by his stripes, by Jesus' stripes, we have been healed. So I could put the word love in there, talking about Jesus, by love's stripes, by Jesus' wounds, by love's wounds, we have been healed. And when I think about that, that, that makes me realize that Jesus took those wounds. He took that beating for my healing out of love. Not because he didn't have anything else to do that day. Not because he was forced to do it. Because he loved me so much, he took wounds and stripes on his back so I could be healed in 2020. And so, a very, very familiar passage, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 8. It's the love chapter. People call it that. You know, love is patient and kind. It is not envious or or full of jealousy. And uh, there's a lot of great translations on that. One translation that we've always liked is the Amplified Classic on this. And so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to insert uh, the word God everywhere that love would be and see how that uh, messes with our thinking a little bit. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4, normally it would say love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So you get the point. I'm going to insert the word God in there. So God endures long and God is patient and kind. God never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. God is not boastful or vainglorious. God does not display himself haughtily, that means unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Think about that. God's polite. It says that he does not uh, act unmannerly. God God has etiquette. God has manners. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we joke about in our society and do, but 
really the love of God, uh, it, it has manners. So you may want to ponder that one for a minute. But it says love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. So that's talking about love and it's talking about God. He takes no account of the evil done to him, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. He does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. So God's a God of justice and love, the God kind of love, is for justice. So love and God do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoice when right and truth prevail. God bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. God bears up under anything and everything that comes. He is ever ready to believe the best of every person. What did we just read? So love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. God is ever ready to believe the best of every person. We, in our human nature, are programmed to assume and believe the worst of every person. But the love of God and God himself is ever ready to believe the best of every person. That that alone right there could change our nation, could change our country, it could change you, it could change me. If we would start learning to believe the best of every person, looking for the good, not always looking for the bad. It says, love's hopes are never fadeless, so God's hopes are, are, are fadeless under all circumstances, and he endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, or I'm going to say, God never fails. So if God never fails, love never fails. Yeah, I know, but, but we've tried this and we did that and, and, and we failed. Then something somewhere went wrong, but it wasn't on God's end. The true love of God, which we just read about, never fails. The devil cannot be a Christian who's walking in love. I, I, listen. I'll say it again. The devil cannot be a Christian who's walking in love because love never fails. And and sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it's a long road. But if I am doing things with the love of God, the way that he's asking me to do it, I am not going to fail. It may not be an instant victory. It may be a rocky four where you're in there till the 15th round with with the enemy. Right. But you are going to win in the end if you're doing things God's way. And so everything we saw Jesus do in his ministry was based off of love and compassion. I mean, everything that he did was based from a heart of love. Yeah, but I saw him get angry. He did that out of love, his love for God. Uh, he did that out of his love for people and not wanting to see them go the wrong way. Jesus is love and everything you see him do in the four Gospels and anywhere else in Scripture was based on love because that's exactly who he is. Let's look at Matthew 14, 14. Just a couple of examples of Jesus having compassion. Because Jesus loved for and cared for other people, whether it was convenient or not, whether he felt like it or not, Jesus is love. Matthew 14 and verse 14, it says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them. And you read that and you're like, well, that's cute. No, I'm talking about if you read the first part of this chapter, his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. 
and 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 had I mean an awful scene. Jesus was so upset, so uh, so sad that he went off to be by himself. He goes to the other side of the lake and he gets off the boat, and then there's a crowd of people right there waiting on him. Jesus, what can you do for me today? And notice he doesn't say, guys, not in the mood. You're going to have to take a number. I need a minute. No, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And then he goes on to feed 5,000. That's the love of God. So look here at Mark chapter 8, another example. Because a lot of people know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But did you know that on a separate occasion, he fed a crowd of over 4,000 also? So Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 3. says, About this time another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been, they've been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And so, don't you think Jesus could have said, man, I've given them days of my time. I've been teaching and preaching. They've been here. I, I don't owe these guys anything else. But he didn't see it that way. He's like, they were diligent and faithful to listen to me preach and teach. I poured my heart out to them. And I don't want them to, to faint along the way. Some of these guys haven't eaten for days. And so, Jesus, out of his love and compassion, saw to it that... They were fed also. And, and of course, he goes in and, and feeds over the 4,000 people there by multiplying the food yet again. Those are neat stories, and all the stories we read about Jesus are neat. But if you look at all of them, the root is his love for God the Father and his love for people. And that's our New Testament commandment, is to love God and to love other people. So, as Christians, yeah, we need to have compassion. And a lot of times there's a, a great compassion amongst Christians. And then sometimes it's shocking the lack of compassion amongst Christians. Yeah, well, they brought it on themselves. Yeah, well, they, they that's what they get. Or, yeah, well, I've always heard this about them anyway. Man, stop that. Look at people, how Jesus sees them. Yes, of course, maybe they brought it on themselves. But listen, we still need to love and have compassion. And love doesn't ignore problems. Love fixes problems. What did we just see Jesus do? He could have ignored the fact that these people hadn't ate for days, but he didn't. He fixed the problem and he did something about it. Love doesn't run from trouble. Run, love runs to trouble and fixes it. And, you know, with everything going on in our world right now, the easy thing to do is just crawl into a hole and ignore everything and, and pretend like it's not happening. But that's not love. The love of God says, hey, you've got problems. We've got answers. And it's right here in the word of God. Love never fails. And when I talk about that, I want to very strongly emphasize that the love we're talking about in the Bible is not this fluffy, uh, no substance, frou-frou word that we just throw around and, you know, oh, love, love. I mean, 
the world has such a misconception of God's kind of true love, agape love, that it's not even funny. And so love isn't acceptance of everything. Love isn't just some high in the sky apple pie word. But the love of God is what we read about in First Corinthians 13. Love is it's bold. It's strong. It does not condone everything that's going on right now. Love is a serious, serious word with God. But we know this much. We have the answers and love will run into the situation and handle it God's way. That's love. You never saw Jesus run when trouble came. You can look at every story in the four Gospels there, the whole Bible. Whenever trouble came, Jesus didn't tuck his tail and, and look for the exit door. He ran to the problem because he had the answers and we have the answers too. All right. And so let's take this next couple minutes here and look at some attributes of God's love. Now, this could be an endless list. But we're going to look at just a few attributes of God's love that we see from Jesus. So the first thing is this. What is one aspect of love, attribute of love? Number one, it sacrifices. Love is sacrificial. Think about it. John 3.16, the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so what is that talking about? Jesus sacrificed man. And why did he do it? Because he loved the world so much. God gave his son and Jesus, he gave his life because we see very clearly in the scripture. Jesus said, no one's taking my life from me. I'm laying my life down for the people. Jesus gave his life. Nobody would volunteer for a Roman crucifixion. Nobody would. Nobody would in their mind would. Nobody would want to go through that barbaric Beating, shredding, murder. But Jesus said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just straight up, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm volunteering for this. I'm giving my life. I'm laying my life down. Why? Because love sacrifices. And, and so if we love someone, there's going to be some sort of sacrifice made for them. You know, in our marriage and in, in, in our family, we sacrifice. That's what we do. Uh, you know, First Corinthians 13, we just read, it says love does not demand its own way. If you always have to have everything your way, that's not very Christian. If you demand, it's got to be my way. If you if everything has to be exactly your way, that is messed up. That is not the God kind of love. Love does not demand its own way. And it's not rude. So we, we need to just take that into consideration in our lives, man. I mean, I know some guys that won't even sacrifice a football game for their wife. And, and so, yeah, but I, I love you so much. But uh, that's no. Love sacrifices and Jesus, the ultimate example, sacrificed his entire life because of love. Another thing about love, number two, is it's unconditional. Love is unconditional. No strings attached. I love you, period. Not I love you so long as you do this, this and this. I love you forever if I'll love you forever. But no, I love you Period. That's the God kind of love. So Romans 5, 7, and 8, we studied this verse the other day. 
uh, in our Wednesday night service. And I really like this in the Passion Translation. It words it very good for understanding. Romans 5, verses 7 and 8. It says, Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? Well, I don't personally want to give up my life for the sake of a wicked person. We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. Okay, yeah, I would maybe sacrifice my life for a really awesome person. But look at this, verse 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Wow. If God's love had conditions... Because this is an unconditional love. He didn't wait until we were truly noble. He didn't wait till we earned it. God sent Jesus to die. Christ proved God's passionate love for us while dying for us, while we were still at our very worst. This is a no conditions, no strings attached love. And I mean, a lot of, think about the, for instance, the conditions and terms attached to like a credit card. Thank God I don't have any credit cards debt-free, glory to God. But at the same time, uh, the conditions and terms that go with the credit card, they're like, yeah, man, we love you. We're glad you're our customer. We're going to give you 0% for 12 months. We just want to be there for you. We love you. You're part of the you know, Visa, whatever family now. We love you so much. As long as you pay by this date, you're never late, you never sneeze wrong, you never do this. And if you do, that 0% goes to 50% interest and then 80% lend, blah, 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 blah. And they, I mean, if you look at the terms on that mess, that is some wicked stuff right there. And as messed up as that sounds, that's how a lot of people's love is. I'll love you unconditionally and 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 I mean and we've got this intro period this introductory love this introductory rate and as soon as that expires as soon as I don't feel like it anymore as soon as you cross the line it's over I'm coming at you like a shark and that is not the God kind of love so the God kind of love is unconditional number three it's relentless the love of God is relentless. It doesn't give up on people. First Corinthians 13, 7 in the NLT, it says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Human love, it gives up on people fast. But the God kind of love, it never gives up. Never loses faith is always hopeful. Yeah, but we've been dealing with this for years. There's no hope at all. We, we, we've been facing this forever and, and I just don't see any hope of things ever changing. That's not the love of God. Yeah, but I'm not naive. That's not the love of God. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. And I'm, th- I'm thinking about, man, Jesus could have gave up on Peter. And doubting Thomas, but he never gave up on those guys, and they would seem to be a couple of knuckleheads a lot of the time. But Jesus never gave up on them. And I think about if he had given up on them, I mean, that would have greatly impacted the Christian church and where we are today. I'm thinking about the great men of God that I've seen, Billy Graham, Kenneth Hagan, my own mom and dad, that they've stuck with it because of the love of God. And I'm telling you right now, you won't stick in ministry, you won't stick in any good thing in life unless you, you've got the love of God in you. Because 
you're, you don't go into ministry for the money because a lot of times it isn't there. You don't go into ministry because you want everybody to like you because especially in a day and age like this, there's nothing that I can say that's going to make everybody like me. I'm just going to say what God's telling us to say because I could say this and then this, these people are going to be mad at me. I could say this and then these people are going to be mad at me. All we've got to do is preach the word of God and the word of God will make some people mad, but we want to be God pleasers, not man pleasers. And why do we do that? Because of love and kind of the fourth little thing here I'll say about attributes of God's love is it forgives. It forgives. First John 1 9 gives us an example of how Jesus loves and forgives us. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, oh man, think about that. The way that God forgives us and loves us and gives us another chance. That's how we are supposed to treat others. Now, I will highlight and say that there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. You know, I'm, I'm commanded by scripture 70 times 7 to forgive somebody that does something wrong against me. And so that's equals 490, but that's just a figurative thing. Jesus wasn't saying you can forgive somebody 490 times, then after that it's on. I mean, the gloves are off and you attack them. No, he was saying keep on forgiving people. So you smack me and, and push me around. I'll keep forgiving you, but you are going to lose my trust. And so you will never, as a Christian, I should never make you earn my love and my forgiveness. But trust is something that has to be earned. And uh, and, and so uh, I'm, I'm just telling us that right now that there's a difference between the two. And so there's a lot of people, uh, you know, in the world right now, they're like, well, we don't trust these guys. We don't trust uh, this this the you know department of the law we don't trust and and you know we we get all that but there is love and forgiveness and we are commanded as Christians to do that and through faith hope and love we've got to believe that things are going to get better we've got to do things the Bible way and believe that there is hope for reconciliation there is hope. For unity, there is hope for a new day and a new way in the United States. But through all that that we just looked at regarding love, you cannot argue this fact. Love never fails. We tried that. You tried human love. You tried loving according to your understanding. I'm talking about the God kind of love. It never fails because if it does, then God's a liar. But God is not a liar. Love never ever fails and if we go that route we're gonna win all right so that's a massive key answer to everything that america and the world is facing right now amen let me pray over you then we're going to get into the offering father in jesus name lord i just pray for everybody listening tonight lord that these words your word will penetrate their hearts and lord if we've got some hard hearts i pray that the word is softening their heart lord the seed is planted and we know that there's trust issues there's things uh, you know that are very real right now lord but i pray in jesus name that your word is working and we know that we can see a change it's time for the church 
to take over the unity thing, not the politicians. They don't know anything at all about unity, but the church does. So I pray that we will rise to the top right now and do your work in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good that's a good word right there. Let's do our Sunday night tithes and offerings. I want to look at a verse here in Galatians chapter six. And of course, you can give hgwc.org slash giving hgwc.org slash giving. So Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look here at verse 7, and this is a reminder for us, man. You've been, you've been tithed and you've been given. Here's a reminder for you, Galatians 6, 7. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, or you will always reap what you sow. That applies to every area of your life. You reap what you sow in, your, in the way you treat people. You reap what you sow in the way that you handle your business. But it definitely also applies to your money. You cannot mock the justice of God. You always reap what you sow. You will harvest what you plant. I remember one time we were in a financial mind and I was telling Katie, man, I'm, I'm, I'm believing for that harvest. I'm believing for it's, it's time to reap. And she's like, yeah, but we haven't sown anything. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. You can't be standing there believing for a harvest if you've never planted any seed. You can't be standing there, you know, just praying for a financial miracle if you don't have any seed in the ground. So we've got to plant some seed if you want to harvest. And listen, when you do plant the seed, sometimes it takes a little bit. Sometimes it's real fast. Some crops just spring up super fast. Some take a while. But you cannot mock the justice of God. You always reap what you sow. No matter if it takes a little bit or it happens really fast, you will reap what you sow. Amen? So you stand on that word as we give our offering. Let's do the financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now we're going to close out with this Barstow Faith Confession, and we've got to keep speaking this over our city and and do it by faith in the name of Jesus. And if you're watching from somewhere else, I've seen people in other states taking our faith confession and putting their city's name in it. That's great. Keep it up because this is a time to speak words of faith, not curses. Amen. Let's say this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.